All right, another day of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Happy Thursday to everyone out there listening, wherever you get your podcasts. We have you every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, you can follow the show. You probably know it by now if you're a loyal listener, but it's at LO underscore Syracuse. We can get our Twitter game Tuesdays and all the latest breaking SU news on the Twitter Twitter sphere, I guess is one way of calling it. So today, Ty, pretty football heavy show. Football is dominating the news right now and kind of bleaker sort of context on the whole college football outlook. Oh, you season. dropped. You dropped. Your, your, your percentage I, is I, my down. My percentage now, is, is it? down. I, it is. And I've been the optimistic guy, not not the same. I mean, you've been probably the more realistic one of the two. I think we bounced around as the summer has gone on. We've been updating you guys on our percentage. I think last time I was 51% and you were what, 35% or 35%. something? 35%. Mm -hmm. on having a season or starting a season at least was our updated percentage as well i'll spoil it i think i'm down around you at 35 percent after kind of following the tea leaves the past couple days so just to fill everyone up on welcome you're you're on realist island with me now i i don't love it but it's hard to ignore some of the stuff that's been coming out um first off there were some very troubling reports at colorado state Oh, that's, some, yeah, yeah, that's awful. Right, awful, awful stuff the, there. And I believe the, the NCAA, that, they, they came out and said yeah, they're the going to have a Yeah, the NCAA has to, to step in. And, yeah. and here's the thing, is that college football doesn't rely on the Colorado states of the world for, for this thing to work. But you can't just be reckless because you know the NCAA isn't going to need you to to support the backbone of what they're trying to put on right now. And if that's happening at Colorado State, well, are they alone or is this an isolated incident? You're hoping it's an isolated incident, if it even is an incident. Again, all of this is speculation and reports, but... The, the NCAA is running an investigation into what was happening with uh, with Colorado State, and you're hoping that this is not some sort of big thing that you're, we're going to have to worry about with programs littered throughout the country. Yeah, and for those that don't know, there was some reports, speculation that Colorado State student-athletes, I don't know if it was just football players or what, were told to disguise their symptoms or not report symptoms of covid yeah, which basically is obviously, that is, don't make it a big deal. Yeah, which is which is not what we need right now whatsoever. So the NCAA did step in and say one thing, which was that they will have sort of a hotline, I believe, for players that are not no oh, snitch hotline. Yes, kind of NBA like. So that that's I, I like guess it. a step. But you know the the really the the stuff that is tampering my expectations of a season starting and lowering my percentage is just the serious resistance that is building among these conferences and student athletes are unionizing hashtag we are united has been a big thing the past couple days on twitter between the pac-12 the big 10 kind of joined in with their own sort of union group of players saying they don't like that the NCAA has been, quote, laissez-faire in their approach, and they want stricter guidelines, protocols, procedures, and everything. You see the news that came out yesterday. UConn has canceled their football season. Probably not the biggest Can news. Can I say something, though, about yeah, UConn? it's not that, that big of a deal. That has zero bearing on, on any of my thought process for whether yeah. or not there's going to be a season. I agree. UConn right now is 
a ship that is sinking without a life vest or a life raft or any sort of saving device aboard, all right? Because they they left for the Big East knowing that, okay, we're, we're probably not going to be able to join a conference at least immediately, so we're going to operate as an independent. There has never been a worse time to be an irrelevant independent football school than right now. So UConn sees that, and they're just going to say they're, they're going to use the pandemic for their reason for opting out, and, and that's fine, okay? I think they're not going to be alone when it comes down to it, when we probably will see a lot, if not all, schools start to opt out, and they're going to use it, but the pandemic is not the reason why. I mean, who, yeah. they weren't going to play anyone. It, it, that's the thing. That, the that's what it came down to. The conference only is becoming more and more of a thing, and it's becoming more and more clear that UConn would just – really not have any options to play anyone. So that's something we can talk about briefly is we obviously addressed the news of the ACC plan. They were the first conference to come out with that schedule and the 10 plus one. And I mean, Swafford has come out, the ACC commissioner and said, basically the SEC kind of stonewalled them on joining the 10 plus one. And they've kind of left them out to dry in that regard. It's, it's looking more likely that that plus one non-conference game that we talked about potential Syracuse opponents. It has to be either in-state or hosted by the home team, so either in the Dome or against maybe an Army or a Buffalo or a team of that like if they are playing games. It's becoming more likely that that game just might get axed from the ACC schedule. Yeah, because I'm with you on that, and and it probably should. I mean, let's just make it easy and and just make things easier for the conference officials and and the schools themselves because – that that's the the best way that this is going to work because it's going to be tough to tie up these odds and ends and and then figure out this extensive travel with all these other schools and are they complying with the the ACC standards that are necessary for these games to happen as well. I just think it's going to be easier if you get rid of that plus 1. Yeah. It's been surprising to me almost the lack of unity between the power conferences because the Big 12 introduced a plus one as well, but they said only teams that are at the home school state, I believe. So kind of the same thing. Well, you know, the ACC and Big 12 can't play conference games or can't play non-conference games together because one school has to be violating their rule then of playing and hosting the game. So it's getting to the point where basically none of these conferences can align and meet in a non-conference setting which I think they're just going to end up axing this, but that goes back to why these Pac-12 athletes, these Big Ten athletes, and for all we know, the ACC might join in on this conversation. We're recording this a little bit earlier than normal, kind of during the day here on Wednesday, so we might be missing out on a couple things in this regard, but I, I mean, that's why those schools are upset and they're unionizing because there's no national policy from the NCAA, So these conferences are acting on their own. They're coming up with their own policies, own procedures. And there's varying degrees of policies that are coming out of these conferences. And it just doesn't feel like everything's in sync in terms of the conferences talking to one another. When you hear what Swafford said about the SEC backing out, that concerns me about sort of the future of this, because you got some conferences starting in late September, ACC says September 6th, and it just adds more question marks. And the more we get into this stuff, the more questions there are. That's always been a thing with me, but I'm really more concerned about it after seeing some of the stuff this week. 
what I'm seeing right now is that these players are realizing what the moment is. They realize they have their watershed moment to pretty much turn the tide of how players are viewed, especially in college athletics. You see it's happening with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and, and they've come out with these Players' Tribune articles of these are the demands that we are meeting with to that basically you have to comply, otherwise we're not going to play. And these are both social injustice issues as well as COVID and health issues as well. And good for them because this is where the player empowerment movement starts, and that's where it should lie because these players – if they don't strike now, they're never gonna they're never gonna get this agreement and, and the name image likeness stuff and all that stuff that these players deserve. It's not gonna happen unless it happens right now. Because this is the time where the ball is in their court and what's gonna happen next, we don't know. But I'd imagine the ACC is gonna come out with some sort of statement as well. Or at least the players are gonna get together and say something. And guess what? There's a lot of high-profile guys that can make this happen in the ACC. I mean, we've seen what Trevor Lawrence has done in terms of social justice and with COVID-19. So yeah. I would imagine he's going to be at the head of this. And if he's heading this up, then guess what? Whatever they want is going to happen. So I think that that's something that we're going to see as well as a result. We're going to look back at this moment in 10, 15, 25 years and say, yep, this, when, when COVID-19 happened, that is when NCAA athletes really got the power that they deserved. All right, I'm going to dive into some interesting quotes from the CSPN article in just a second. really puts this whole thing into perspective. Before we do that, though, if you're having any troubles with your car right now, we've got the best solution for you right now, a much better alternative than going to the auto parts store, dealing with the hassle of, am I getting ripped off? Dealing with the hassle of them telling you, oh, we don't have the part in stock right now. We got to order it, and then you got to come back in a week, and then it's not ready still. Well, you can just order that part right to your house right now by going to rockauto.com. They have the same interface that anyone is using at some of these fancy auto stores right now and they've got reliably low prices i've gone a couple times during quarantine it has been extremely easy very very easy to go in and out of their website you don't have to sign up for anything which is always kind of annoying when you put down your email and then you get spammed with tons of emails from the site don't have to worry about that rockauto.com a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers today. And when you go there, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Again, put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so I want to talk about this article on ESPN. I don't know if you saw this from David Hale. I came out on Wednesday. Did you get a chance to read this yet? I didn't read that one, but I did read Pete Thamel's article that he okay. put out on, on Yahoo. And I'm sure a lot of the points Probably. are going to align here. Yeah. So just to give you some quotes from this article, um, David Hale wrote it on ESPN. It's on kind of just how much players and coaches will have to sacrifice in order to make this season happen. And and basically where you draw the the line there in the sand of, of when it gets to a point where it's too much. Um, it starts out, and it's kind of from the perspective of Dave Colossen, the Wake Forest head coach. His wife 
just battled cancer very right. recently, three, four years ago, and she is a cancer survivor now, but falls into the category of increased risk of COVID-19 because her immune system and things like that have been diminished from going through cancer. So Dave Clausen basically didn't have a choice to be around his wife or his family during this. He is essentially sleeping in his office, or I don't know if it's really in his office, but he is not living with his family while training camps and everything Mm -hmm. is going on. He said, quote, coaching 110 to 120 players with a staff of 50, how could I go home at night and tell my wife there was no way I came in contact with COVID-19? So that's one example. There's examples of the Penn State head coach as well throughout this article. Yeah, James Mm -hmm. Franklin. Um, And, you know, I'd encourage people to read this article and maybe the Pete Thamel article as well that I haven't read that you're referring to because it just sort of puts this in perspective of, yes, we were of the camp that these student-athletes, or at least I'll say I'm of the camp that these student-athletes are probably not in the highest of risk of if they get this disease, I don't think it's, and again, one death is probably too many, obviously, but it's not, that's not the concern here. The concern is more with the tons of coaches that are over the age of 70. And then every student athlete has a family that has parents and they might have a sister who has a lesser immune system, a brother, a cousin that they, I don't know. It's just, Everyone has their bubble of people that they're around that they want to be around. And that's a sacrifice for these student athletes that are not getting paid. If they have to go and work their tail off to play these games, put their body through it, risk getting COVID. And in a lot of cases for plenty of athletes and coaches across the country, that means they're going to not be able to be around their loved ones and their family because they're putting them at greater risk. And maybe it wouldn't affect them, but it would affect one of their family members. And to zoom in from from 300 feet above and, and tie it to Syracuse, well, think about Rex Culpepper too. I mean, this is a guy yeah. who, who's coming off a, a cancer battle. There, there's you don't know the backgrounds of all these people. Who knows what kind of condition some of these players have? Who knows who should and shouldn't be put in in these type of situations? And, and it's good to see. I think I saw that the NCAA has included an opt out clause yes. for all of its athletes, which is. I think the most essential part to getting this whole thing to work. And and we're starting to see some of these players opt out. I think it's more draft related. These air a lot on on the side of the, the bowl health issues as well that we see that pop up every year. Cause a lot of these guys are projected first round picks, but yes, there is so much at stake here health wise. And, And the, the team, the family, it goes larger than just the players that are on the field. It's the coaching staff. It's the trainer. It's the, the locker room attendants, all that stuff, the security guards. There's so much that goes into putting on sports. I mean, think about all the things that you've heard lately of people who are working in sports that have been laid off or furloughed or what have you. Mm-hmm. That just shows the the magnitude of the operation of what it takes to put on these simple little games. They're not so simple. Yeah. If it was any other sport besides football, it would have already been axed. It's all about the money. And I'm totally okay with that. I understand why it's about the money. But, you know, you see a quote in this ESPN article from an unnamed Clemson player. He says, if I get sick and if I give it to somebody I care about and they pass away because you want money, 
now you have a problem. I'm not trying to be put in a position where I have to perform and put my body on the line and also put my family in jeopardy. Jordan Reed is a guy who plays for Michigan State. He tweeted the other day, guys are testing positive across the country left and right. Why is there still a discussion on a season? Question mark. Why is it taking so long to make a logical decision? Hmm, let me guess, revenue, all caps. That's what Jordan Reed tweeted, who's a guy who plays for Michigan State. And, you know, he's probably one of those guys that's joined that Big Ten union. It's that type of stuff that is scaring me. There seems to be a large amount of resistance that I guess we probably should have seen coming um, because these players have very valid concerns. And there's a lot of players that have firsthand experiences with family members that could be impacted by this virus. And I think the dangerous thing, too, is what happens when teams start losing? Because that's just how sports work. Not everyone's going to be going 500 and and teetering and in deep competition for that bowl game. No. I mean, there's the Rutgers of the world, okay? Rutgers very well could go 0-10. And, and <laughs> when they start going 0-3, 0-4, are they going to start to sacrifice? Let's, let's say that in this instance that schools are – in session and not remote online, which I that's a whole nother thing that I, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to pan out. But let's say Rutgers goes 0-3, 0-4. Let's say Boston College starts going 0-3, 0-4. Are those players going to are, – are we sure that we can 100% trust the fact that they're not going to check out from these strict protocols and they just want to go back to living the lives that they were used to pre-COVID? Because that's what the problem is going to be. I mean, we've seen it with the Miami Marlins and the recklessness that they had. And, yeah. and guess what? They're a team that was actually doing well. I mean, they, <laughs> as of this recording, they were 3-1. and 3-1! and one. And technically leading the NL East right now. And they they made some poor decisions. They, they went out and went to clubs and stuff like that. You saw the St. Louis Cardinals players, who are also a good team. And they went out to, to casinos and stuff like that, which is the, the likely cause of, of how they got it. And it's just, it's disheartening. And, and that's why I don't think this is necessarily all going to work out. And I, I don't know. Did you see this tweet too? So Brent Axe tweeted about the the Pac-12 hashtag We Are United movement yeah. and was speculating, will Q's players participate in something like this in the ACC? And there was this guy that, com- that commented on, on Brent's article and said, if they do, I will cancel my season tickets I have had for 20 years. Make your political points on your own time, not mine. You got a scholarship to play football. Shut up and play. First of all, where's the politics in this? This is I want to play or I don't want to play. There is nothing political on that spectrum right there, okay? If you want to say the, the shut up and play, I mean, does he not realize that anyone who opts out of a season knows what's at risk? If you're a professional athlete, you realize yeah. that they know what's at stake if they opt out. If they opt out, they're not collecting a check, okay? It's not like they're, they're going into these decisions blindly of what the effects are going to be. If a college football player opts out, they could very well get Wally Pipped. They could yeah. get Tom Brady'd. There, there's no guarantee that their position is going to be safe when they come back. And I guess that's kind of the the sad reality and the the pressure that exists on a lot of these kids is that if I do sit out for a season and let's say my backup plays really well and gets that meaningful experience, my job isn't guaranteed when I come back. And that's kind of the the sad thing because you can't guarantee, you can guarantee the scholarship when you come back. You cannot guarantee the playing time. And if you can't guarantee the playing time, 
Well, if you have professional aspirations as an NFLer or one of these other offshoot leagues, then that's in jeopardy. And that's what a lot of these players are going to grapple with right now. All right. So what's your Trill Williams called him out and called him a clown as he rightfully should, because that is one (laughs) of the dumbest statements I have seen tweeted in regard to this. Yeah. Trill Williams, sneaky, great Twitter game from him. He was all upset that he wasn't one of the cornerbacks shouted out by the ACC this week. I got a kick out of that too. So great fall on Twitter, but what's your final percentage before we get on to training camp Thursday here? I've docked 10%. I'm down to 25. Yeah, I'm I'm going down to 30. I think I said 35 earlier. The more we talked about it, I, I went down five more percentage points. So 30% for me. All right, well, if, if you bought season. down five more percent, I'll go down five oh, more gosh. percent. I'm down to 20. We'll, we'll be at 15 by the end of the podcast here. Yeah. I, I have to be great. more I have to be more negative than you. That's just how this works. Yeah, you have to be that guy. Um Yeah, I mean I, I think there's so much money, but the more we talk about it, the more questions arise. And I just love to see the NCAA make a freaking decision on this. I mean they just keep kicking the can further down the road on fall championships and everything. So we'll keep you updated here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast and as it pertains to SU, of course, but Big question to discuss on whenever the season starts. There will still be a question mark about the wide receiver spot. No Cam Jordan. So now we're wondering who will be the guy that will step up at the wide receiver position and maybe assert themselves into the starting rotation next year. We'll discuss that next. Okay, training camp Thursday. We're going to be rolling these out as the football window approaches. Whether it's the season or not, these questions are still relevant. It's the burning questions on and the listen, Syracuse. When we season. say 20% probability or 30% probability of a season, we're talking about the fall, okay? Yes. I still good think point. that football will be played at some point this year, whether yes. it's the fall, whether it's the spring. I don't know. I, right. I think if it's going to happen, it's probably the spring. But right now, it, the the season is on right now. Yeah, okay? that's a good point. So it's going to happen. We have to operate with this. At some point, this group of players will take the field, and these same questions will be discussed. So the question this week is about the wide receiver group. Cameron Jordan left the program a couple weeks ago now, maybe a week and a half ago. The redshirt junior didn't have great stats, but was on the depth chart to be a starter. The current depth chart, as we know it, which was, again, released back in the spring, so it could be different in Dino's mind by now, but Tosh Harris is kind of the clear-cut best-returning receiver. Nikeem Johnson, bad season last year, but he will be one of the slot guys. Courtney Jackson heads up kind of that other wide receiver position, an up-and-coming guy who I think we both like a lot, and then... Behind them, Ed Hendricks is behind Taj Harris, who has been riddled with injuries. Jordan was on there behind Nikeem. Now you have to replace that spot. And Anthony Queeley is another guy who was listed as one of the six wide receivers on the depth chart. Is there any guys that maybe weren't on the depth chart that you think could jump up into the discussion or you've got your eye on? We've talked a little bit that Justin Barron could maybe be yeah. one of those guys, but I think it's probably going to be from someone on the depth chart so far. And especially with this truncated offseason as well, it's something that might be a little bit more difficult for some of these younger guys to come in and adapt to. But I think the big name that's on everyone's mind is Ed Hendricks because yes. this is a guy 
Reminds me a lot of Jamal Custis, 6'3", 220, was clocked at a 4'3", 40 in high school, and he's just got that range. He can go up, get a ball for you, and I think he can be a, a very good player. And at some places had him as a, a four-star guy in terms of recruiting rankings, so he can be a star. But I think I wouldn't sleep on a guy like Anthony Queeley. And yeah. Courtney Jackson, I think, can make an impact out of the slot position as well. But don't rule out Anthony Queeley maybe being that guy for this team because he's got speed as well. He's got plenty of talent, a Florida guy, and I wouldn't rule him out of being a name to watch for this this upcoming season. Yeah, I really hope they get more out of Nikeem Johnson. Courtney Jackson is a guy I like too, but I think that's almost kind of a separate discussion because we're sort of talking about who will be the outside receivers. At least that's how I'm almost gauging this yeah. because, you know, that's who you lost here was a potential outside receiver in Cameron Jordan with his height. And, and we and the only time we've seen him on the field was in that outside wide receiver spot against NC State. I, Hendricks is the obvious most likely candidate if he's healthy. He has more talent or just as much talent as anyone else, really even on the offensive side of the ball as a whole for Syracuse. Right. He He's right up there. And, and a player that I'm really just crossing our fingers that will not fall into sort of the injury vacuum and, and, and not get to experience or get the results of him as kind of a big time recruit. So really, really hope we see improvements in his health, which hopefully fingers crossed looks good right now. And and I think he's the guy that could step up and make an impact. I also like Damian Alford, one of the upcoming freshmen as an outside guy, potentially, because he has the height that you're losing in Jordan. And, you know, we can throw in Isaiah Jones now to the mix. I think he will have to sit out a year. But that's just another guy that has some height that they're bringing into that wide receiver group, which is good to see that they jumped on a Juco guy and added him right off the heels of losing Cameron Jordan. I'm overall not too concerned about wide receiver, though. I think I've talked about this before. I feel like Dino's offense, it maximizes receivers, and they've done well with limited talent in the past at receiver. And I really like that they have one of those it guys in Taj Harris who should have a very, very good season. He was great his freshman year. He kind of followed how the team did his sophomore year, was a little underperforming last year. But I think he's got all the tools. The thing, and I think Taj is an interesting one to bring up, but these receivers aren't going to have success unless this offensive line holds up. Because remember Eric Dungy and even Tommy DeVito when he saw that splash of playing time in his redshirt freshman year, they did well because they threw the ball down the field. You can't throw the ball down the field when you've got two, three seconds to to operate. And if this offensive line beefs up and gets better, like both you and I, I think, are in agreement that the offensive line will be better next year just because they started to play well down the stretch last year and there's going to be continuity. And if anything, the the big major change that you're going to see is going to be a guy who's transferring from Florida after being a starter. And that can only help your team. So I think once you give DeVito time to show off that arm and show that he is the arm talent that he is – that's when you're going to see these guys start to do well. I mean, think about the the big-time plays that you saw Taj Harris have his freshman season, or especially Nikeem Johnson his freshman yeah, season. Yeah, he's such even a big Even though he's a small threat. guy. Yeah. yeah, even even though he's a small guy, 
the the big thing for him was that he could get behind the defense and that's part of why I think we saw Sean Riley dip off a little bit this past season as well is because they didn't have the time to get downfield and separate in, in open space up the seams and stuff like that once you give them that sort of time to move downfield that's when this team can be really good at the receiver position and the offense can really thrive and Dino can get back to what his playbook is actually supposed to look like. So you give DeVito time, you're going to see Nikeem's numbers take a huge spike next season. Same with Taj. Yeah, they also have some talented tight ends too in terms of pass catchers. Aaron Hackett, Luke Benson. I, I really like Luke Benson and I hope that you know, it's funny because I love Aaron Hackett. In fact, Aaron Hackett is one of my favorite players to watch on yeah. the Syracuse roster because the dude's just a football player. I mean, you watch him out there. He does everything that the modern tight end does, and then when he's in the red zone, he's a problem. I mean, the group chat would light up whenever Aaron Hackett would do anything because <laughs> I just thought so highly of him last year, and he's just been one of my favorite players to watch for Syracuse these last couple of years because he's just that big-bodied guy, reliable and can get you a big play when you need it. And wow. he's just the prototypical NFL tight end that you see these days. I didn't know you had such an affinity for Aaron Hackett, but this is Oh, this I could do a whole news. podcast on Aaron Hackett. <laughs> yeah, he's like your Tyler Roberson of the football. He is my Tyler Roberson of Syri- Yeah, but I think he's got a little more to show for it than, than Tyler yeah, Roberson does statistics-wise. I agree. All right, well, that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow as we are every single weekday here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. If you've got a wide receiver in mind that we didn't mention or we did mention one of your votes for a guy that will step up. And or you want to give us your spot, percentage yes. as well for whether you think college football is happening. Yeah. Feel free to tweet at us at LO underscore Syracuse. Those Twitter DMs, those Twitter replies, mentions are always open. If you have an idea for what we should talk about on the podcast here, something that might be fun, we're always open to those. So feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, but we will be back tomorrow for Tyler. I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys on Friday.